and uh, preach and talk from the Word, but also uh, see how God might leverage our partnership with Urban Impact to have a greater and greater impact on our community. Amen. So uh, Urban Impact started three years ago after a mission trip that uh, a few of us went on. We came back and felt that God was calling us to do something in Bridgeport. And uh, so three of us started meeting for breakfast and saying, okay, God, what do you want for us? And uh, God truly started to, to speak into our lives and showed us that there was an area of the city called P.T. Barnum, which is uh, the projects for 320 people. Uh, families. And God said, hey, I want you to center your ministry here. We had no training. We had no clue what we were doing, but we knew that God wanted wanted us to do something. And so uh, we have started six different programs that happen on a weekly basis that minister to the people there. And over 100 people every single week volunteer. Urban Impact does not have any full-time paid staff. It's led by volunteers like you and like me who just go down and say, I want to love on some people. We minister to 250 to 300 people every single week through these different programs. On Monday nights, we have a mentoring program that works with kids, about 150 kids on Monday nights. On Tuesday nights, we partner with the Bridgeport Rescue Mission in their food truck and bring food down to all the residents there. Throughout the entire week, we have people who go into the school, and we have a classroom in the school where we tutor uh, three to four kids at a time, and we have almost 30 people that volunteer their time every week to go tutor. And then on Sunday mornings, we take kids from PT up here to our 1130 service and bring them to church, and then after church, we take them out for a meal and some activities. And we are truly uh, blessed by serving these kids and these families. And God has changed us so much, those who have volunteered. Last year, uh, our budget was $50,000 to run these six programs. And, and when, the, the, when we meet together, we think about that. And when we start at the beginning, we were, we were saying, okay, how are we going to get our first dollar? And now, uh, three years later, God has truly blessed us because I believe that we have followed what he has desired for us. And we want to thank you, BlackRock, for supporting us, for unleashing us to go and to impact an area of Bridgeport where we really felt that God was calling us. That's awesome. So God is doing some awesome things. So I wanted, I wanted to speak from the Word this morning. I want Jeremy to share stories that he's lived and experienced himself right there in the trenches in PT. So for the rest of you, i got good news for you. I have good news that God is in a good mood today and he wants to bless you. He wants to teach you from his word. He wants to show you his presence. He wants to grow you to be a little bit more like his son just because you showed up this morning. That's good news, friends, right? Well, I got some additional news for you as well. You can't stay here. You can't stay here. You've got to go. Not just yet, but you're going to have to leave. And that's not my words, that's God's word. In fact, I want you to turn there with me and check it out. I want you to turn to James chapter 1 in your Bible. James chapter 1. In fact, I'll read this verse a couple of times because I want it to sink in. So while you're getting there, I'll read it through once, but we'll we'll read it again. You turn to James chapter 1 and keep your finger there because we're going to look at a couple of verses in James 1. It reads like this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do... What it says. See, this command is at the core of why we do outreach. 
why we partner with Urban Impact, why we partner with all these different local ministries, why we serve the poor, why we challenge you to get involved and serve, to put feet to your faith. It's because God commands it right here in James 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's a divine command to not just sit there, but do something. And God's word has a lot to say about what kind of things we are to be doing. In fact, scripture could not say it straighter or more clearly than just a few verses down in verse 27 of the same chapter. As people of God who know the Savior, who love his word and want to live by its teaching, the Bible could not be more clear about what we should be doing. Read it with me in verse 27 of James chapter 1. Verse 27 reads this way. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pure, spotless faith is taking care of widows and orphans, Scripture says. To help relieve their suffering and to serve them with compassion. To expend yourself on those who cannot repay you. This is pure and faultless religion. God says the purest, clearest demonstration of his love is this. Serving the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, and the broken. Again, those who have nothing to offer in return. It's the exact population that we serve through our partnership with Urban Impact. So at the beginning of uh, our ministry, we really didn't know what... Uh the poor looked like in PT. We knew that uh, there was poverty there, but we really didn't know um, kind of how how to deal with it or, or what it looked like. And so uh, we started this um, program where we brought kids to church here. And uh, so one, one Sunday morning, uh, we brought this girl, Tatiana, to church. And so she came here and uh, went to Sunday school the hour. And then after Sunday school, we took her out to a, a pizza place and we were having uh, some pizza. And after she finished half the pizza in a foot long meat, meatball sub, our volunteer <laughs> asked her, Tatiana, why are you eating so much? And she, she said, I haven't eaten in four days. You see, a lot of times I, I think for me, I thought poverty was something where people didn't eat for, for days was in, was in Africa yeah. or in these far off places. I didn't realize that it was four and a half miles from here where a girl is going hungry. Three weeks ago, we started up our, our Monday night primetime ministry where we mentor kids. And one of the questions I had our mentors ask the kids was, what's something that you would like on your birthday? And uh, we were, I was shocked to hear this one, that uh, a girl said, I would love to have a birthday cake. Fifth grader, she had never, ever had a birthday cake in her entire life. You see, for me, why I love what we do in PT with Urban Impact is we are helping people to experience God's love by meeting their basic needs. Things that, that you and I just, we take for granted so often, yet four and a half miles away, there's kids that are going hungry who have never been giving, given a birthday cake. Yeah. Last year, uh, during the winter, uh, we take 
kids every Sunday here. And uh, so um, that Sunday, we didn't have enough spots. We had more kids than uh, we had drivers. And so we had to leave a couple guys uh, behind. And uh, at 12.15, three guys show up here at church. And we go, how'd you get here? It's a four and a half mile walk. It's snowing out. And they went, you know what? We wanted to be here. We wanted to show Rick and Tricia, the people that lead the shepherd program, that we're serious about going to church. If my car broke down on a Sunday morning, I would probably be like, you know what? I I can't make church. I'll I'll, I'll do it next week. These kids had such a desire to be here, to be in community, to know more about God. That's who we're working with. That's why I'm excited about what Urban Impact is doing in Bridgeport. So as Jesus himself in Matthew 25, he's the one who says that when we feed the hungry and clothe the naked, when we've looked after the sick and visited uh, those in prison, when we've shown compassion to the poor and broken, we've done these, when we've done these things to the least of these, we've done it unto him. We do it for him. We do it for Jesus. Here's our problem. If we merely listen to the word, if we come here and we read our Bible and listen to preaching and all that and not do what it says, not obey what it clearly says to take action and serve and love people who are far from God. Verse 22 that we just read says we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves into thinking that more knowledge and one more sermon and one more Sunday is going to make the difference when God's after our hearts. He wants our hearts. That's why you have to take something in, but you've got to give it away. It's got to go out. You know, God demonstrates His love for people, especially those who are far from God, not in a church service. He does it through the love and compassion of people who go to where they're at and serve them in love, not looking for anything in return. So the preaching and the teaching and the Bible say it's all good, it's necessary, it's wonderful, I know that. It's granted, it is. But, Scripture says, do not deceive yourself. Do not merely listen to the Word, but do what it says. A friend of mine described this self-deception as primarily a heart problem. We actually we were in the prayer room right over here just a couple of weeks ago. And he says, I know what our problem is. And he described it this way. He said, too big, too little. He said, too big, too little. He says, our heart is not big enough to, it's not big enough for all that our mind can absorb. So we're always looking for more, but our heart is small. That's our problem. You and I don't lack knowledge. We actually lack love and compassion. That's the honest truth. We're prone to this deception, friends. You and I have a heart problem. So what do you do? What do you do, those of us with big heads and small hearts? How do you beat this self-deception? Well, turn with me now back in Scripture to Mark chapter 6. We'll camp out for the balance of the service. Mark chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 32. While you're getting there, this is a well-worn passage, you know it, where Jesus feeds a group of 5,000 on a hillside. The twelve disciples have just returned from an exhausting time of ministry. And Jesus encouraged them to say, we're going to get away for some rest. 
we're going to recuperate from a, a long stint of ministry. And we pick up the action here as the disciples and Jesus are trying to get away in verse 32. I'll start reading in 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. We'll stop there for a moment. I want you to notice the response of the disciples and contrast it with the response of Jesus. Now, they're all tired. They've all had exhausting ministry. They're trying to get away. They're trying to sneak away to get some rest. But people from all the surrounding towns, they're watching and they're following the way the boat is going. There was no sneaking away this time. But Jesus sees the crowd that greets them on the beach and he recognizes they're a bewildered, frustrated, desperate bunch. They're like sheep without a shepherd is how scripture describes it. So out of his heart of compassion, he begins to teach them and minister to them what they need. His heart is moved by love and compassion for helpless people. The disciples, on the other hand, they see the situation much more logically. They analyze the situation. This is a remote place. It's getting late in the day. A lot of mouths to feed. Better send them away so everyone can get food for themselves. It's a reasonable, logical, really a strategic plan for taking care of a large crowd of people who need to be fed. It's a well-thought-out solution. It is, however, devoid of compassion. It is based on an every-man-for-himself attitude. You mind your business, I'll mind mine. You take care of your needs, I'll take care of mine. It's a well-devised logical plan, really, just absent of any love. You see, these disciples, they too had a heart problem. Too big, too little. I want you to take note of Jesus' solution to feeding this hungry crowd of broken people. It's found just in verse 37. Jesus' solution, he says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Jesus says to his disciples, actually I should say, Jesus currently says and formally said to his disciples, I want you to give these people something to eat. You see, Jesus' solution for meeting the needs of spiritually hungry, desperate people who are willing to walk four and a half miles for a church service, for community, to learn more about God, His directive to you and me is, I want to use you. So you give them something to eat. When Dan mentioned that he was going to use that, I knew exactly what I wanted to share at this part. Because when we decided that we were going to work down in PT, I drove down by myself and entered uh, the projects all by myself right at the beginning. And I remember standing in the middle of the projects going, Jeremy, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You have no clue what these people have endured, what's going on here. You have no training. 
You're going to get shot. You might get arrested because the cops think you're here to buy drugs. You're the rich white guy from Shelton who's going to come down and help the poor. My head is my head. But what God has taught me over the last three years is as long as I bring my heart down there, God will use me. Okay? As long as I bring my heart, God will use me. A couple weeks ago, right before we started up our our fall programs at the school, I went down to put up um, some signs and to to talk uh, to a couple people. And while I was down there, um, one of the girls uh, ran up to me. One of the girls that we've worked with for the last three years and who I've kind of gotten to know. And uh, she ran up and she, she said, I love Urban Impact. I love you, Jeremy. I love God. Guys, that's why we do it. I have no training. I know 10% of the issues that are down there. But I know every time I go down, God is going to use me. He's going to impact the people because you know what? My love can change their hearts. My love will penetrate all the other issues that I can't even comprehend, but they will see I'm not some rich white guy coming down there. I'm a guy who loves and cares and wants to make a difference. And that's what it's all about. That's what Urban Impact is all about. You don't need the training, you don't need the great skills. You just need to have the heart to say, you know what? I'm going to go down and I'm going to be used. In whatever, God, in whatever way God wants to use me this day, whether to tutor or to bring food or to help start a new program down there, whatever it is, just go down with an open heart and God will use you to impact the kids. And mostly, He'll change you. Yeah, that's good. Even they said, you know, even if we could afford to buy food for everybody, if we had it, it still wouldn't make a dent in this group of people. You know, it's the same response that I have, that probably you have, when God asks us to step out of our comfort zone and serve needy, broken people. To reach out with love and compassion, because we're thinking, I have nothing to offer, I can't do it, rather than being moved by love and compassion to serve those who cannot help themselves. We make the exact same excuses. You know why? Too big. Too little. So what does Jesus expect from us anyway? What does he want from people who got a lot up here and too little down here? How do we, how do we, how do we move into this and get over our deception and, and serve and give? I mean, how do we really help anyway? Well, the answer is found in verse 38. Jesus asked his disciples, well, how many loaves do you have? Jesus says, quite simply, what do you have? What can you give? What can you share to meet the need that's in front of us? That's what Jesus expects. To figure out what do you have to give, what do you have to share that can meet the need. He only asks you to give what he's already entrusted to you and given you. You know, he says, share what you have. Offer it to me, let me bless it, and I'll multiply it. He only asks what he's already given you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a keen mind. 
Maybe it's a skill. Maybe it's a, an ability. Maybe you, you can read. So you could teach a child to read. Maybe there's some resource he's given you. Maybe some expertise. Maybe it's just a, a willingness to hug unlovable people. God says, if you give me anything I've given you, you give it back, I'll bless it, multiply it, and use it to build my kingdom. I'll use it to draw people to my son, Jesus. That's what God chooses to do. You'd be amazed at what God can do with meager, rather humble resources. You see, Jesus' solution to meeting the needs of people around us, those who cannot help themselves, those who are harassed and helpless, who are kind of operating like sheep without a shepherd, you know what Jesus' solution is? It's simple. It's you and me. It's you and me making ourselves available. Allowing our heart to be moved, even when our head is telling you, you can't do anything. That's what Jesus' solution is. He says, you give them something, I'll take it, bless it, multiply it, and I will do work. And you'll be amazed at what I do. Just watch me. So you give them something to eat. You give what you've got to share and watch me work. That's Jesus' solution to meeting the needs of a broken, desperate world. So one of the, the things that I've learned over the last three years is one of the major issues down PT is there are, are no male role models. Because there are no male role models down there, there's an endless cycle of men j- disappearing from lives around them. And it breaks my heart because you just see moms. That's all you see is moms. Moms with their kids. Moms trying to, to help their kids, but there's no men. And this last week, we had a, an issue. Our issue was that last Sunday, we only had 11 spots in our vans to take kids up here. But we had 22 boys who wanted to go. If we want to stop the cycle, it requires more seats in our cars requires more of us to end that cycle. You know what's hard? Who wants to give up their Sunday for three hours to go drive some boys that are going to be crazy in your car? Who are going to go out to, to lunch and it might kind of be embarrassing for, for a moment or two at a restaurant. But how great would it be if this church, if you and I were able to change the cycle down in PT, that men down, or boys would grow up to, into men because they had role models of what it truly means to be a Christ follower, a man of God. One of the, uh, the great stories that, that we've had uh, happened this summer, and uh, it it just brings together all that we've done down in PT over the last three years and why I will continue to do this the rest of my life. Uh, we wanted to take some kids to summer camp. And uh, we were like, we're so excited. We got all these donations that we're going to have all these kids signing up that we're going to have to, to kind of pick our, our top kids to go. We had 30 spots open to take them to summer camp for an entire week. A month before, we did not have one kid signed up. We're going, what's wrong? 
And so we go and ask them, and, and they go, we're scared. We don't want to go because we're going to go into the woods and we're going to be eaten by bears. <laughs> Literally. That's why they would not go. So we convinced eight. We bribed them. We begged them. We bought them sleeping bags, everything that they would need. We went to their door and pulled them out of their house that Sunday morning, taking them to camp. And you know what? For a week of camp, it was hard. The counselors were, were tested. They had to discipline these kids. They got into some fights. And you're just going, is, is this really making a difference? And one of our, our leaders went up late, and, and she got up there on Friday, and they did a campfire. And uh, she wrote an email And here's what she just said in an email that I read it and I went, that's why we're doing this. The last night there was a bonfire at the beach. The counselors were leading the campers in all the songs of the week. They were singing the song, How He Loves Us. And Dave, who earlier the week had to discipline two of the boys for fighting, was standing behind one of the boys. He put his arms around him gently as they sang. Another boy from the group came up to get Dave's attention, so Dave let go of the first for a moment. Well, the first boy pulled Dave's arms back around him tightly and held them there for the remainder of the song. The second boy climbed onto Dave's back for the rest of the song. It was such a beautiful moment to witness. These two boys were by far the most resistant to authority and difficult for the counselors to handle. But here they were, wanting affection and attention from the man who they had known for less than a week, but who constantly marked and held boundaries for them and was showing unconditional love for them. These two boys were named Matt and uh, Devon. And when this uh, leader was driving them back, she asked them, well, what did you learn um, this week at camp? And Matt said, I've learned uh, from God that I really need to change my attitude I really want to change my attitude for God. In working in PT, for a kid to say he wants to change his attitude on his own, that's a home run. That's something that, that you, you beg God for each and every day that a kid would, would choose that. And here's Devon. I pretty much realize that I sin all the time and I really want to change that. I learned that, that God loves me no matter what I have done in my past, so I don't need to worry about that. I don't fear death anymore. I used to fear dying a lot. I don't fear death anymore because He has a personal relationship with Christ. Amen. That is what it's all about. We have some eager kids we have some eager adults who are saying, come help, come love on me. I would love for you to stop by our booth to figure out how you can have your heart impact the people down in PT.